on out of the gates here i'm not hearing my voice okay yeah, so out of, out of the gates your microphone was not on <laughs> the, the shows i find are typically best when the microphones are cued sam brooks has been uh behind the scenes working furiously as as we had a, uh, I, I think this is a, a bit of a uh, at least when we say a unique edition of Real Talk, uh, we're somewhat saying it facetiously because this is our third show ever. Uh, but this is probably the first show we've done, I would say, that'll be in direct response to a news event. In other words, the announcement from Alberta's Premier Jason Kenney yesterday afternoon, we also heard from Alberta's Health Minister Tyler Shandro and Alberta's Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dr. Dina Hinshaw, new measures in place for the province as Alberta continues, along with the rest of Canada, uh, but Alberta at the front of the pack numbers-wise to grapple with the rapid spread of COVID-19 and, and, of course, the subsequent implications on our hospitals, our healthcare infrastructure, not to mention our businesses and so many other facets of our life. We're going to be getting into this in depth today, and we want to remind you that the feed that we're monitoring, the one that really means a lot to us today, is our Twitter feed, taking a look at the hashtag RealTalkRJ. That's how you can communicate with the show. That's how you can let us know. Many of you are already how you feel about Alberta's measures. Some of you think they're bang on. Some of you think they don't go far enough. And some of you think that they're way too far. Our guest lineup today is a diverse one. We expect to hear diverse perspectives. But first, we want to say thank you to a team that has partnered with us and joining our journey here, making sure that Real Talk is on the air covering the stories that matter each and every single day. If you check out the sponsors link at ryanjesperson.com, you'll see that our presenting sponsor, Bitcoin Solutions. Now, I don't know if you've been watching the news headlines on cryptocurrency over the weekend, Bitcoin trading at an all-time high and it seems more and more traditional fund investors getting interested in cryptocurrency. I'm going down rabbit holes, reading all about it, trying to learn more about it. If you want to learn more about it and you want to buy Bitcoin with confidence, go to the local entity that is Bitcoin Solutions and you can link to them via our website again under the sponsors link at ryanjesperson.com. Real Talk starts now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. Just before 5 o'clock yesterday afternoon, Alberta's Premier Jason Kenney addresses uh, the province and obviously an attentive audience, I think, as Albertans uh, from you know down south in Cardston all the way up to Cold Lake were wondering what steps the Alberta government was going to take as Alberta's COVID numbers continue to surge a couple of days in a row, as you've been hearing, as you've been seeing here on Real Talk, uh, 1,500 plus new cases. Yesterday, Alberta's numbers down a little bit, just over 1,100. We've still got about 350 Albertans in hospital with COVID-19 and Alberta's ICU beds about, at least yesterday, 66 Albertans in ICU care with COVID-19. We'll be talking to, as a matter of fact, the first Alberta MLA uh, to join us here on Real Talk. It'll be out of Cypress Medicine Hat, United Conservative MLA Drew Barnes, our guest, coming up in just a few minutes. We're going to get the business angle today from entrepreneur Emma May, uh, who's also, by the way, a lawyer and, and, and happened to be a senior staffer in uh, former Premier Jim Prentice's office. We're going to hear from Katie Ingram, who's an entrepreneur, a hospitality entrepreneur out of the city of Edmonton, and Mo Blayways. Uh, Mo, also a hospitality entrepreneur, a longtime uh, restaurateur and bar owner in the city of Edmonton. I suspect that Katie and Mo 
are going to have pretty different perspectives. I know that they occupy different spots on the political spectrum. Uh, we'll look forward to their comments, and we're also going to be checking in with Post Media columnist Leisha Corbella. Uh, Leisha was one of those that had an opportunity to ask a question of the Premier uh, yesterday. She was in particular interested about some of the, the thinking that goes into uh, the limitations placed on some businesses, certain businesses, but not others. Now, we want to bring you some of what a, a pretty significant share of what Premier Jason Kenney had to say yesterday, and we'll be bringing you clips from his address. The news conference lasted uh, almost 90 minutes yesterday. Uh, Sam, if we're good to go on that first one, why don't, we, why don't we tee this up, and we'll be hitting different angles of what the Premier had to say, of course, over the next 90 minutes or so here on Real Talk. Let's get to it. worship services, businesses, schools, and all Albertans. Believe me, these steps are not being taken lightly, and I certainly didn't go into public service, nor did any of the people sitting around our cabinet table, in order to impose restrictions on how people live their lives. But we believe these are the minimum restrictions needed right now to safeguard our healthcare system while avoiding widespread damage to people's livelihoods. We are doing everything we can to meet, to strike that balance. The first set of restrictions will target social gatherings across the province. Let me just be absolutely clear about this. Social gatherings are the biggest problem. Many people may think that a family dinner or get together with friends is, is no big deal, it's just normal. And you know we don't imagine when we gather with family that people are gonna be transmitting a, a virus like this, but it is the key reason why COVID-19 is winning. These gatherings in the home continue to be the largest source of transmission, and so they must stop now. That's why effective immediately, no indoor social gatherings will be permitted in any setting, and outdoor social gatherings will be limited to a maximum of 10 people. Let me repeat, no indoor social gatherings will be permitted period. We are limiting attendance as well at funeral and wed wedding ceremonies to no more than 10 in-person attendees and receptions will not be permitted. I know this is a terrible sacrifice for so many. Uh, perhaps some of those who've been planning uh, weddings o o over the, the winter can, can think about perhaps rescheduling those uh, into the spring, hopefully after the positive effects of the uh, inoculation vaccine program. But for those grieving, I know this is a particular uh, sacrifice to make, but we have learned here and around the world that weddings and funerals, given their intimate and emotional nature, are some of the largest causes for widespread transmission. It isn't, uh, this is not a preference, this is just a reality to which we are responding. This restriction applies across the province and it is mandatory. We will enforce it. Uh, and those who break, uh, we will enforce these rules against indoor social gatherings, uh, and those who break these rules uh, will be subject to fines. Okay, so that's Alberta's Premier yesterday in laying this out, and uh, one of the things I think that was apparent throughout this news conference, if you watched it live, this was a difficult one for Premier Kenny, uh, one who, uh, you know, from, a, I think, a, a political perspective, from an ideological perspective himself, is is all about getting government 
out of people's lives, at least in most contexts. He, he referenced it several times, you know, alluding to the fact that that for him, I mean, he said a couple of times, you even heard it there in that clip. He says, believe me, I did not get into this. I did not get into government. I'm paraphrasing to try to find ways to tell Albertans what they can or cannot do. He really reiterated that later on. And we're going to be bringing you that as well. We're talking about things like weddings and funerals. We know, at least as best we can, our conversation with ICU Dr. Darren Markland was a bit of a wake-up call yesterday, wasn't it, when he talked about contact tracing. He talked about the the fact that, as a matter of fact, we don't know where about 85% of the cases come from. But the ones we do know about, we know that things like weddings and funerals have the potential and in some cases have served as so-called super spreaders. So the Alberta government is shutting them down. What else does this mean for you? A three-week test balloon, if you will, before the government will consider different measures? Well, let's take a look at what Alberta's new reality looks like. These are the measures, uh, briefly, in bullet point form, that Alberta introduced yesterday. No indoor social gatherings. You're going to hear the audio from Premier Kenny a little later on in this broadcast. He put it bluntly, put it this way, indoor social gatherings now in Alberta, illegal. If you're hosting an outdoor gathering, and why would you, quite frankly, a maximum of 10 people, a maximum of 10 people at weddings and funerals. And as Premier said, let me reiterate as well, how difficult for so many people grieving the loss of loved ones, specifically to COVID-19, limited in how they can celebrate those lives. We know it's difficult. Places of worship at 30% capacity, according to fire code, we're going to circle back on that. And schools will transition to online learning as of November 30th. Other new measures to consider, employees are encouraged to work from home. Restaurants, bars, and pubs remain open with certain capacity measures in place. Of course, mask measures in place. You can have a maximum of six people at your table if you all live together. They can't serve you booze past 10 o'clock. They've got to close at 11. Retail will remain open at 25% capacity, again, per fire code. This is big for retailers, I'm sure, leading into December, the Christmas month. Is it counterproductive on Alberta's numbers? I'm curious to know what you have to say about that. Casinos remain open with slot machines. Blows my damn mind. Theaters remain open, as do museums, some other facilities. Gyms and fitness facilities may remain open for private Uh, classes only. In other words, you and your personal trainer, if you have an appointment, you can keep that. Be sure to consult with them, but no group classes and no sports. Now, to give you a sense of what this means for places of worship, and this is another one where I think it was obvious Jason Kenney was having difficulty yesterday. Uh, A big part of the United Conservative base are people of faith. That's just a fact. Uh, Nominations were successfully achieved and ridings were successfully won with big support from faith communities and so they're keeping them open despite pleas i know from a lot of people to include churches synagogues cathedrals in some of the facilities that are listed with regards to closures what does it look like with a place of worship at 30 percent capacity of fire code well i grew up my family did attending first alliance church in south calgary it's, it's one of the super churches first alliance church is as close as you get to the big Texas churches here in Alberta. First Alliance Church with a fire code capacity of 2300 could still welcome 759 worshipers so long as they were masked. 
759 without contravening this new provincial directive. Center Street Church in Calgary could welcome 1,100 worshippers under the new regulations. St. Joseph Basilica in Edmonton, you know where Wayne and Janet got married? 363 worshippers could still attend Mass at St. Joseph's Basilica. The Baiton Nur Mosque down in Calgary could welcome 500 worshippers. And in Red Deer, big beautiful church, crossroads, you know the one. 346 people could attend services on Sunday per these new regulations. On the text line, uh, to basically uh, the hashtag we're using, RealTalkRJ, we're going to be taking a look at what you have to say. You can let me know what measures you believe the province got right. You can let me know ones that you're concerned about. You can let me know what you made of what you heard yesterday. We're going to be talking to United Conservative MLA out of Southern Alberta, Drew Barnes, coming up in just a few moments. Uh, First, Sam, uh, why don't we recognize another one of the partners that are keeping us up on the air this morning. We're grateful for the sponsors that have joined us on our journey, and that includes the team at Local Waste. Now, this is getting exciting because we're getting closer and closer to our first Friday show. And Friday shows are going to include a segment called Trash Talk. It's a feature segment where you can get stuff off your chest. You write it to me, pound it out in an email to talk at ryanjesperson.com. We've got a few of them already. Did you notice our folder is growing? Oh, is it ever? Yeah. Yeah, Just wait till people hear the first edition (laughs) of Trash Talk, Sam. We're going to be hit with an avalanche of angst and we want it. We want you to get it off your chest. Well, the team at Local Waste is proud to sponsor Trash Talk. They're an independent organization that's owned and operated by local families that are taking on the big multinational garbage corporations, and they want your business. In fact, they want it so bad that the owners of the company want you to call them directly with any questions. So Chris and Lauren Labossier are available to talk to you at 780-242-9700. 46. And if you missed that number, all you need to do is check out the sponsors link at ryanjesperson.com. Sam, do we have MLA Barnes set to go here? Is he going to be dialing in on Zoom here in the next we, little bit? Uh, we do not okay. yet. I'll I've been monitoring what. our Zoom okay, feed, great. and, and well, right now I don't what. have anybody he, in the queue. He would, he would be one minute early if he was showing up right now, so what we'll do is I'll ask you to give me the heads up as soon as Drew Barnes is set to go. In the meantime, we'll take a look at the Real Talk RJ hashtag. We want you to have your say today on what you heard from Alberta's Premier. Sue Huff is listening in. She tweets at us. She says, you know, these measures may leave open doors in fact she says they leave many open doors for covid to spread but it's my sincere hope it will be enough to get our contact tracing back up and running so the next round of restrictions can be based on better data sue says i'm also so relieved that my hubby can stop playing covid roulette at work how many of you are playing covid roulette every single morning when you go to work did that change for you i'd be curious to know with yesterday's announcements sue goes on to say things i wish that premier kenny would have announced all religious services online She says, you know, churches should pay to add the 1-800 number to Zoom so even those without internet can dial in. She's even got that figured out. She says she'd like to see all dine-in restaurants and bars closed. She says takeout or curbside pickup is okay. She would have liked to see school boards consulted and included in the planning. She says she'd like to see increased mental health supports and investments 
and acknowledgments of doctors calling for the circuit breaker and valuing the professional advice of doctors. Uh, Dr. Darren Markland yesterday joined us in studio. It was a question from a, a viewer of ours that was watching us streaming live on YouTube. And by the way, good morning and thank you to those of you that are streaming us live on YouTube right now. Those of you that are commuting into work, maybe you're, you're on the road, maybe you're the long haul trucker that reached out to us yesterday that let us know that you've just signed up for Mixler for the first time so you can stream our audio and take us with you on the road trips. You know what's interesting is, is I picked Mixler purely because it'll just run on our website. You don't need an account. You don't need to sign up. It's just right there on the homepage. And, and people are signing up for it. I actually find that quite amazing. I, You know what, Sam? There are a lot of amazing things that are going on right now with the show. I don't want to get too off track. I don't want to get too off focus, uh, but let me say, uh, and just let me know what you need me to know, because, uh, you know, just just say it. Oh, I, 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 yeah, that's true. I'm, I'm trying to just point to my screen that you can't see. I have MLA Barnes on the line ready to Okay, go. perfect. That's, that's great to do. We'll get to Drew Barnes in just a second. Uh, wanted to say thank you uh, to those of you. You may have seen my tweet yesterday. We're blown away uh, by the early response to this show, but on the iTunes charts for Canada, Real Talk right now is ranked fourth in the country. Uh, for most downloaded podcasts, we're just behind Bill Gates and Joe Rogan. So we're doing all right heading into our third morning. We're also already uh, heading into day three, the most listened to daily podcast in the nation. And that's because of you. And so we appreciate it. So, yeah, you're streaming us live on YouTube right now. You're listening to us live on Mixer or potentially you're listening to this uh, later in the day uh, by, by way of one of the podcast platforms. We thank you for your early when you response add, to this. You know, when you add everything up, we're, we're reaching about 10,000 people a day, at yeah. least to start. We're on day three. OK, let's get to the MLA for Cyprus Medicine Hat. Drew Barnes, United Conservative. Mr. Barnes, the first member of Alberta's Legislative Assembly, to grace us here on Real Talk. Thank you for uh, earning that distinction, and thanks for making time for us this morning. How are you? Well, Ryan, I'm fine. Uh, congratulations on a great start, and, and and I'm glad you've had me on today. Thank you very much. So, Drew, you're you're in a part of the province where I know if we if we took you know regional data, uh, Cyprus, uh, Medicine Hat, uh, the southern part of the province would not see COVID numbers like we're seeing, for example, in Edmonton. It doesn't mean that Albertans don't need to band together. But how do you approach this? What's your perspective as a an entrepreneur and being an elected official in southern Alberta? Well, well, thank you. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, we've only had two unfortunate deaths, which which by comparison is less. Uh, up until this second wave hit harder, we were down to like three or four cases. Uh, and people, Ryan, have been very, very responsible down here. Social distancing is is being, you know, utilized tremendously. There's a lot of mask wearing. There, there's a lot of concern for our long-term care. People have tried really hard down here to, to be good citizens and respectful. Um, I'd say since uh, 4.30's announcement yesterday, but it's actually much before that when Cypress Medicine Hatter started to text me with their concerns and their ideas. And 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 there's pe people down here are happy that Premier Kenny listened to the fact that uh, the criteria for keeping businesses open should be whether they have safe practices versus not safe practices rather than essential versus non-essential. That was the number one thing I, I heard nine months ago. Uh, you know, businesses that were willing to do everything they could to keep their customers and their staff safe needed the opportunity to stay open. So I'm glad for that. Uh, there are some concerns, Orion. Uh, people down here are especially concerned that we're back in the Public uh, Emergency Health Act. We're, we're concerned about our, our neighbors and our friends, but we're also concerned about our civil liberties going forward, of course. Um, we're concerned 
are we paying enough attention to the long-term care situation? The, the people that built this province, the people that we, we need and want to take care of is, is where so much of the big concern is. Did yesterday's announcement uh, encompass that enough? And, and I guess we'll see that going forward. People down here, Ryan, are concerned about the fines and the police and not being able to get together. We've had a mental health crisis down here as, as most parts of the province had. Uh, it, it's, 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 it's so sad uh, what some families have had to go through and individuals and, um, you know, we don't know where this is going to end up. And then, of course, humans, we're, we need to connect. We need to be together. Uh, so we're concerned that, you know, small cohorts, young kids, uh, you know, that that will deepen, that will get worse. And, and, and so we want some, some facts and some attention on that. You know, when I talk to two people that, you know, also people, Ryan, that have been following this for a long time, they're concerned that after nine months of pandemic, that Alberta Health Services wasn't able to refocus on making sure that our health system doesn't get overloaded. Um, you know, we're $25 billion a year in our health system, and uh, we had nine months to, to make sure that uh, emergency and non-emergency uh, surgeries could have continued, those kind of things, which is still one of the big justifications now. Um, so, so in the rearview mirror, let's look at, the, at this and let's make sure that, that Albertans have the best of everything. Uh, we should. We, uh, we, we work hard. We deserve it. Drew, what would the, what would the refocus look like in, in your mind with regards to, I mean, sort of the impression I think that you give off there is, is that you believe that the strain that the healthcare system is feeling right now is on the healthcare system and not on the reality of what is causing the strain. What would a refocus have looked like in your opinion? What do you think would have been doable that wasn't done at least to this point? Well, in the healthcare system, I mean, I think there's, there's, you know, we, we could have focused on, on, on some publicly funded, but some privately delivered uh, people who would have been ready to uh, provide these, these uh, emergency and non-emergency surgeries that aren't related to COVID. Um, you know, I think I think we also need the opportunity to get some information out that uh, people can make some decisions on, or people can at least hang their mental uh, health hat on. Uh, you know, it's a it's a crazy media world now, as as you know better than anybody, and it's hard to get information that you can rely on. And, and I and I and I think that going forward, we we have to make sure that happens. And I think going forward, we have to. Uh, you know, we have to make sure that uh, that Albertans have the opportunity to, to be heard. Um, you know, I've talked to many, many, you know, doc doctors have come out recently on both sides of this issue. Uh, doctors have come out great concern for the mental health, mentioning that the that, that healthcare parts aren't overwhelmed right now. And uh, yeah, we've got to be careful. We got to make sure that we can take care of every single Albertan. But did we do enough in the last nine months to make sure that uh, we could do that? Uh, Drew Barnes, our guest, uh, MLA out of Southern Alberta for the governing United Conservative Party. Travis is listening and Travis says, I can actually, uh, he says, I appreciate the efforts to keep businesses open. He says, I commend the government for making this a priority considering the upcoming shopping season. No kidding. Uh, Travis yeah. goes on to say, though, however, the government could have gone for low hanging fruit by closing churches and making masks mandatory province-wide. Uh, Drew, I don't want to assume that you feel a certain way about something, but but do you believe that churches should remain open? I, I dropped some numbers that are astounding. I mean, there are churches in Calgary and Edmonton that could still welcome 750 worshipers in following the rules. And how do you think your constituents would feel, or how do you feel about a mandatory mask directive province-wide? Hey, well, I, I, for one, think that churches and places of worship should be allowed to stay open. 
my belief is the number one way to prevent the spread of COVID is social distancing. And, and if a church's capacity, you know, is only filled up to, to a third, um, the churches I've been in uh, since this hit are very, very respectful for ensuring that uh, social distancing continues. So, so I absolutely think that, that with, with the correct uh, social distancing and the proper, uh, you know, hand sanitation and all those things, absolutely, they need to stay open. Uh, masks, you know, again, Ryan is back to that point. There's so much information out there about they work, they don't work, they cause more problems. Um, you know, I'll put it this way, uh, Medicine Hat, uh, the city council did not have a mask bylaw and, and our number of cases didn't change. Although it's hard to say, but I would say 70% of Medicine Hatters wore masks anyway, out of respect. Uh, but at the same time that was happening, Lethbridge, Calgary and Edmonton with mandatory mask bylaws, the number of COVID infections uh, spiked considerably. So, uh, so, so again, I, I, I think uh, no, I, I think social distancing. Let's let's go with the, the rules, and I, I think uh, the premier and the government got it right. Uh, a third of capacity uh, is about right to ensure the social distancing is there. And uh, yeah, with uh, I think that's the best way. Drew, you it's you know this, I know this. Everybody that's 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 watching us or, or listening to us, streaming, they'll listen to us later today on the podcast. Knows that Albertans, I, I think, are being seen. This isn't this isn't necessarily an insult to say that we're being seen as a bunch of cowboys by the rest of the country. Uh, I know a lot of people will wear that badge with honor, and that's great. But the fact of the matter is, Alberta's been a bit of an outlier when it comes to policy, and now Alberta's. COVID numbers are disproportionately higher. I mean, three times the per capita numbers that we're seeing in Ontario. Are you concerned about the message that Alberta is sending to the rest of the country right now? No, no, I'm not. Uh, again, you know, we it's a balance between taking care of everyone, especially taking care of our seniors and our vulnerable and our, and our mental health uh, aspect. And, and I think we've got it right. Um, you know, we, we've seen a disease that you know, for individuals and those that are affected, yeah, it, it can be deadly. But at the same time, it, it hasn't, you know, it, it, we have to keep our, our, our economy going at the same time. It, in large parts of, of, of the province, it, it hasn't been affected. And those that are willing to social distance and take care of each other, it's, 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 it's worked. And uh, so, no, I, I think we've got, got that part right. And, uh, and, and there's a balance. Uh, Drew, what could the provincial government do better to provide mental health supports to Albertans? You've mentioned it, I, I think, at least three times here, and I stand with you on that. I'd like to see robust mental health supports for Albertans, and a lot of folks have said maybe that was one of the things that they felt was missing from yesterday's announcement was tangible, defined supports. What could the government do better on that front? Uh, well, I guess I, I want to you know, begin where it starts. Medicine Hat in southern Alberta was in a crisis before this hit. Because of our lack of resource movement because of our lack of free trade in Canada, our economy had been hit so hard. Ryan, so many of our young men and women, so many of our entrepreneurs uh, couldn't plan, couldn't progress, couldn't build, and, and we were already in a bit of trouble. Then this hits, and, and the uncertainty levels go, go much higher. Uh, for families and businesses, those kind of things. So let's start there. Let's let's get let's work hard on the long term of getting our economy going and getting resource movement and, and agriculture products and pro projects and those kind of things. But mental health wise, and, and I, I th the government can can still do this. I've heard about some families working together, getting co in cohorts of four or five, and you know families with similar age kids, similar interests, and kind of working that way, making sure that the social 
the social um, involvement continues. Uh, and, and, and I know that for, for sporting groups, the government's left the door open for different groups to apply. So if things are safe, they can maybe have an opportunity to go forward. Why not do, do the same kind of thing with, with families? And Ryan, especially on a local level, uh, you know, uh, Medicine Hat's a long way from Edmonton. We're, we're six hours. Uh, I'd like to see some people down here that are able to, to encourage those things. Ryan, I'm also concerned about, about youth and, and kids sports. Um, it seems to me that the information is that uh, kids uh, very seldom get COVID. At the very least, they don't transmit it. Uh, I'm concerned about, about them losing, losing their sports over the next little while. So I know we have a review date of December 12th or December 15th or something like that. Uh, I, I would ask the Premier and the Cabinet and the Health Minister to look long and hard at that. And uh, let's ensure that, that our, our kids, our, our youth have their opportunity to engage in, in, in sports and get-togethers and uh, you know, continue the things we need to do as, as, as humans and as Albertans. Drew Barnes is the United Conservative MLA out of Cyprus Medicine Hat. And uh, Drew, you will go down in history as the first MLA to ever appear here on Real Talk. We thank you for your availability and, and have yourself a good rest of the week. Ryan, thank you very much. You too. I uh, want to fact check something uh, quickly. Uh, obviously, just with regards to, to children spreading COVID-19, we do know that, that young people can spread COVID-19, but they're at a much lower risk of a grave illness we take a look at the Real Talk RJ hashtag, and it's good to see so many of you chiming in on the conversation uh, this morning. Uh, Alex wonders, looking back over the restrictions announced yesterday, what was so complicated that the announcement had to be delayed? What required an eight-hour meeting, he wonders? Was it so the speechwriters could have ample time to spin? Uh, Premier pointed out a couple of times that the, the cabinet meeting, uh, the emergency meeting was was eight hours the day before. I think, in my opinion, Jason Kenney was trying to reiterate that the government was making decisions that were difficult for him based on, I think, political ideology. Jason Kenney's really clearly struggling with having to impose government restrictions on people gathering in their homes, gathering in their places of worship. I think that was obvious, and we'll bring you some of that audio a little later in the show. Sam, why don't we roll hot into the headlines right now? Should we take a look at some of the stories that are leading the headlines, or did you have me teed up to to recognize one of our uh, advertising partners? We can go either way. We also do have our next guest on the line. Okay, perfect. We're going to get to our next guest in just a moment. Let's take a look at the headlines right now. Here's what's leading the news, obviously. Ooh. Don't sweat it. We're supposed yeah. to have some really cool, you know, I, I always, I always wanted uh, news headlines to come in with like a big, a big sort of a drum fill, you know, yeah. tour the toms, hit the cymbals a some, little something bit. Something a little like this. But I'll tell you. Yeah, there you go. And it's okay to be a little silly rolling into news headlines because the minute that I start dropping the information on you, you're going to feel like I do, which is just like, Right. Social gatherings are illegal. It sounds sensational, but social gatherings indoor illegal in Alberta now, at least for the next three weeks. And if this doesn't work, by the way, the government says it'll implement further measures. I know some of you are saying you should get there now. What's the delay? $1,000 fines could be the reality. If you're going to host an outdoor gathering, first of all, don't. But if you're going to, it's got to be 10 people or fewer. Same with weddings and funerals. You just feel for the people. Number one, I guess planning weddings, you know, it's a tough time to be there. People say just reschedule. You go, but it's our wedding. Friends of ours, Matt and Ashley, congratulations, just got married in their kitchen the other day. Just the two of them. It was beautiful. It's different. 
Maybe not what they always envisioned, but it was beautiful nonetheless. Funerals, 10 people as well. Houses of worship can gather with 30% capacity per fire code. That's one that a lot of you are sticking on today on Twitter, and we're going to get to more on that in just a moment. Sam, we'll give you a second to tee up the next clip we wanted to put in front of our viewing and listening audience this morning from Premier Jason Kenney yesterday. We're just a moment away from checking in with Emma May. Uh, Emma's got a really unique perspective. She's had experience in government. Uh, in a senior staffer position in the premier's office in Alberta. She's a lawyer. She understands the law and she's an entrepreneur. So she understands the plight of business. That's an important perspective that we wanted to get today. And so we're looking forward to talking to Emma in just a moment. Sam, give me a thumbs up when we're ready to go there. Uh, we're good. Okay. This is uh, another minute or so from Alberta's premier, Jason Kenney. In case you missed it, this was just yesterday evening. Albertans, let, let me be blunt, we will impose stricter measures, uh, likely in about three weeks' time. Uh, and uh, we will continue to assess it, but we're not going to let political pressure or ideological approaches to uh, cause indiscriminate damage to people's lives and livelihoods. We're going to protect the healthcare system using uh, targeted measures, and we will have to be more restrictive Rep? if they aren't, don't I'm work. live in like two, or... Operator, so. can you please put through the next caller? Or less, one, 30. Well, it's more you. Hey, Sam, let's just, let's just get off this clip and let's welcome in uh, Emma May. Emma is uh, a lawyer. Emma has experience having worked as a senior staffer in former Premier Jim Prentice's office. And uh, Sam, if we could just bring down the audio from the video, that would be great. We're going to get to Emma in just a moment. Uh, it's it's a, a bit of a wild ride this morning here on Real Talk. Emma is an entrepreneur, and if you check out sophiegrace.ca, you'll be able to see what she's doing there with uh, women's fashion, uh, a really neat initiative. And, and again, one of these thousands of local businesses that I would imagine is doing everything it can to remain afloat during the pandemic. Are we good to go with Emma? Emma May, welcome to Real Talk. This uh, your debut on this Wednesday morning. Thanks for making time for us. Ryan is muted for me. I can't okay, hear you Okay, so I'm muted from Emma. We're going to let Sam's, we having, uh, Sam's having quite a morning this morning, but doing an amazing there job, calm, cool, and collected through all this. You can hear I, me, I Emma. have one screen to do okay, about Sam, 12 Okay, Sam, don't things. sweat it. Don't sweat it. Like, uh, Emma, so uh, we were talking about Sophie Grace, uh, your business. Uh, obviously, I think it's it's not, correct me if I'm wrong, no brick and mortar. You're, you're an online entity. That's obviously, I think, made probably your your last eight months or so a little bit maybe of an easier transition to pivot than some of the big brick and mortar entrepreneurs or am I making an incorrect assumption here uh well we launched during a pandemic so that was that was super fun yeah. um and and generally I sell stuff that's a little more formal wear not super formal but it's dressier I don't sell sweatpants um my pants feel like sweatpants but they're not sweatpants so yeah we had a we've had an interesting run and it's been it's been okay but I've been lucky in that. And a lot of other business people have not been lucky and they're clinging by sort of the last thread. So, um, and watching them is really hard and knowing that people are, are, you know, really on the edge of losing their businesses is also incredibly difficult. So, uh, and I'm not sure, I'm not convinced that what we're about to do is actually going to save them. Okay. So let's get into that. Uh, yesterday's uh, measures announced by Premier Jason Kenney. Uh, where did the government 
hit the nail on the head and where did the government miss the mark? Uh, well, I do think that restriction of the social gatherings within people's homes is huge. Um, we do know that, uh, that 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 sort of has run rampant and you can't and you have no control over it. So I think kudos go to businesses who are actually really trying very, very hard to uh, comply with all of these restrictions and who are actually, you know, doing all the right things. Uh, the premier said we don't have, you know, records of people getting sick at their Unfortunately, we don't really know that because we lost control of contract tracing. So I'm not sure we actually have a really great sense of where all of this is happening right now. But, uh, you know, that that move was great. Uh, the churches, the casinos, that still confounds me, to be honest with you. And I'm not convinced that allowing people to attend restaurants uh, with their family members only is going to be what restaurants need to save themselves. I think they need actually financial support and maybe rent supports and things like that. And maybe we need a harder lockdown in order to actually get through this. But jurisdictions that are now open and where people are doing really well and people are attending rugby games uh, are jurisdictions like Australia and New Zealand and Taiwan that had a pretty hard, uh, you know, snap lockdown on this. And now things are back to normal. So I just fear that by dragging this out, we are not giving businesses what they actually need to survive. Okay, so first of all, just we call the show Real Talk, so I need to have some real talk about the, the casinos. It's not like it's not funny. Uh, I understand, you know, some people, some people, you know, when we locked down back in March ish and, and people said, well, why are liquor stores open? And I actually talked to some addictions counselors and we actually had some really interesting conversations around why, why actually cutting people off alcohol could be really counterproductive and, and actually could really make life difficult for a lot of people. It's a fascinating conversation to have. Uh, you know, I understand, I think even why cannabis stores remain open for a lot of people that self-medicate, it may not be a popular term. It allows some people to find some some peace of mind, so to speak, through something like this. In your mind, is is there some way that people consider a, a gambling addiction to be something that's uninterruptible? In other words, we can't we can't put a barrier between people and their slot machines for three weeks. I know it's a rhetorical question. You're not the one arguing to keep casinos open. That one to me, it just it kind of sticks out like a sore thumb and and makes the whole thing just a bit of a joke. Yeah, you can't tell me the gambling addicts in this province don't know how to gamble online. Yeah, I mean, yeah, okay. Short and succinct to the point. What do business owners need, Emma? I mean, we know that, that business owners could probably use uh, supports well, with regards to- I'm actually to a little worried about sort of how the inter interplay right now between the federal support that the feds just announced, which was a 90% of rent supports for a lot of business, for small businesses, especially, especially sort of retail whether that actually is going to be applicable to businesses in Alberta who now have to reduce the amount of business that they're doing significantly, um, but who, uh, uh, who don't um, necessarily have the business flowing through their door, right, on a regular basis. So how do, like, if we lock them down hardcore, uh, then do they qualify for some of these rent supports and federal supports and things like that? If we don't do that uh, and they re have to reduce their business significantly and they don't get access to the support, how does that help? I don't think that does help. So I'd like to see how that rolls out and how, how that integration um, works. 
I talked to MLA Drew Barnes uh, just before I talked to you, and and he was, I mean, he he was somewhat critical of, of Alberta's healthcare system, of the, of the delivery system itself, saying he wishes that it could have better pivoted uh, so as to be able to. We only to- have so many doctors, Ryan. We only have so many nurses. Like you, you don't magically reinvent these people. So I mean, you can you can open as many new beds as you want, but if you don't actually have the staff who are trained and capable of doing that, uh, then I don't know how you how you possibly could keep up. Our staff are are running at like the edge of their of their rope. You know, my neighbor's an ICU doc, and and uh, they're just you know it's it's painful to watch what they're going through and what they're trying to go through right now to to keep things to keep things going. And this idea that somehow uh, we could have better managed that with, I don't know what, like doctors leaving. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, that's a whole other, I don't If I start getting into talking about doctors leaving, we're, I'm going to blow my top and the whole show is going to pivot and we're, yeah. we're going to need to add another hour. But, but MLA Barnes did when I mean, he spelled it out, which I appreciate in an interview, I said, you know, what would you like to see or what could alleviate the pressure? And he said, well, I think that, you know, private delivery of a lot of these surgeries, which which is a contentious issue here in the province of Alberta. And as a matter of fact, I'm not entirely against some private delivery of health services. I think now is a bit of a, a contentious time to bring that up. When you were a senior staffer in former Premier Prentice's office, was the government at that time even considering more privatized health delivery is this something that there have been rumblings out of alberta's premier's offices maybe save rachel notley for the last 10 years not really but let's be clear about what private private delivery is private delivery of a public service exists to date uh many of your radiology clinics many of your uh, you know well your 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 uh, family physician does private delivery of public service there's one payer there so um that exists right now uh so you know i'm not quite sure what he's talking about is he talking about then you know that the public purse isn't paying for these services that they are privately funded so that's that's where the contention arises when we talk about these things it's not that doctors set up their own sort of private facility it's that who is who is the ultimate payer at the end of the day is it an insurance company or is it ahs I, you know what? I mean, right now at this point, I, I think that people are most concerned. We talked to ICU doctor uh, Darren Markland yesterday here on the show, and and he, I will say, he was copacetic. I mean, calm, cool, and collected. But you could tell there's a there's a smolder in his belly right now. You wouldn't be able to tell it on the surface, but I I believe that right now, physicians, surgeons, nurses, hospital personnel, paramedics, firefighters, everybody involved in the in in the service delivery model, I think right now is number one, looking at the numbers currently and very concerned. And number two, looking at rates of infection now, which means that hospitalizations and, and ICU admissions are probably going to spike two weeks from now. And I think maybe, some, you know, some, one of the last things that they probably want to hear about right now is, is more existential or, or big picture, 10,000 feet bird's eye view conversations on, on healthcare delivery. I think right now they're looking at immediate measures and that's probably where they want the conversation focused. Yeah. And they're looking at their colleagues and the burnout rate and the fact that, you know, we've got nurses who get exposed and then they have to quarantine and then other people have to take their shifts and you have this constant back and forth right now with the staffing that we do have and um that 
you know, they're doing yeoman's work. We don't see it. I think there's a lot of mythology out there right now around the fact that, you know, people are sick. We did a really great job when the pandemic first came here. We did not, we prepared for ICU beds like crazy and we did not hit that surge because we did the right things. Um, we did all the right stuff. Uh, the lockdown as, you know, crap as it was actually worked. Um, but of course that sort of fueled this idea that somehow we don't need any of that or that, that, that the problem doesn't exist. Um, you know, and people are, you know, the disinformation that's being spread about this is, is, you know, really pretty sad. Like the fact that even MLA Brown suggested that somehow masking is, you know, that there's different science on that. There is no different science on masking. Masking works. Masking helps. Masking uh, reduces your ability to get exposed to a viral load. So there is, there is no, you know, there's no, Dispute you know what? You know what's? That. You know what's? Uh, I'm finding unfortunate, Emma, is you know yesterday, uh, Premier Jason Kenney invoking the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, and people are talking about liberty, and people are talking about you know the the the, the constitutional right to assemble, or the constitutional right to do business, or the constitutional right to travel, and and to me, it's it strikes me as a bit of a red herring, and 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 I think it's it's counterproductive to public dialogue to turn this into some sort of an exercise on freedom, right? It's it, that it's it's, it's yeah, supercharged language. We have a very clear constitution, Ryan. Our constitution says that you can impose reasonable limits on freedoms in moments like this. And the, the, there is an, a reasonable limit would be there is a pandemic that is killing people and we need to control the spread of the pandemic or we're going to lose even more people. Um, and we're going to shut down business. And so, and so the impact on business here isn't necessarily that, uh, you know, this short, sharp stuff, right? The impact on business, that hurts, but this, this sort of ongoing uncertainty is also a huge, huge problem. Uh, we're, coming to the, we're coming to the end of this. We know that vaccines are on the horizon. We know that we can get through this. We know that there is light at the end of the tunnel. The problem is right now, um, you know, we're gonna have a really dark winter and it's gonna suck. Um, and we need to get, we need to get super prepared for that. And I'm not sure that we're, you know, I, I, I think we're pretending as though that's, you know, we're just going to do a few little things here and it's going to be, and it's going to be okay. But anyway, that, yeah, constitutionally it's, you know, that's not true. Uh, you can impose reasonable limits. The government has always had the ability to do that. And, uh, you know, a public health crisis is probably going to pass that test. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you in closing, uh, we're going to be talking to a couple of restaurant tours here on the show. Katie Ingram coming up in just a few minutes. Mo Blayways after her. Uh, Emma, for you know, you're an entrepreneur. Uh, you do a lot of business outside of the hospitality industry. What's your message to your fellow entrepreneurs in Alberta right now? December is a huge month for entrepreneurs. Yeah. You know? So, you know, you can't ask business like business needs to make money. That's what business is in business for. They're in business to make money. They're in business to pay their people. They're in business to provide a, you know, they're here to provide a service. So, you know, uh, do what you can to survive. Uh, you know, the rules are the rules and we're not going to, it doesn't appear that they're going to be revisited anytime soon. Protect your customers and, uh, and hang in there. And I think, I think honestly, if, if there is an opportunity to be, um, lobbying for some kind of uh, access to the federal support programs that are in place now, especially a rent relief program, regardless 
of what the restrictions are that the, you know, or the limitation on restrictions that the province has put in. I think there needs to be a push to make sure that Alberta entrepreneurs are, are you know, can get, can get a hold of those because that's, you, you need all the support. And quite frankly, next year is going to rock guys. Once we get through this, I think uh, people are going to be, you know, very sick and tired of eating in their own kitchens and staying home, and they're going to want to see people, and they're going to want to go out, and they're going to want to do things. And I think a, 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 some boom times are coming, but God, we got to cross our fingers and get through this. I, I can't wait to inch through crowded bars and spill tequila on all my friends, Emma. It's going to be great yeah. next year. Hey, thanks for making time for us this morning, and best of luck with SophieGrace.ca. It's nice to see your face on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me and congrats. Thank you very much. That's Emma May out of Calgary, Alberta. She's a she's a lawyer down there. Uh, again, a former senior staffer with uh, former Premier Jim Prentice. May he rest in peace. And you can check out what Emma does at sophiegrace.ca. We've got Katie Ingram coming up in, in just a moment. Kale Clark listening into the show today, chiming in on the Real Talk RJ hashtag says, nice Emma calling out Drew Barnes for equivocating on masks. You go girl. Onion on my belt. That's an interesting handle, says uh, it is definitely the shortage of healthcare staff. That's my concern, says otherwise we could easily. Can you drop the audio, Sam, on our next guest? Says otherwise we could easily isolate sick people in empty hotel rooms. It's the actual shortage of care that's the problem. We need to stop saying beds. Brad Gibson listening in says, I'm pretty sure I heard Mr. Barnes blame Alberta Health. Uh, for not being ready for the second wave of COVID. And that's an early warning to Alberta. They'll tell us that civil servants can't create value or can't do the big jobs. That's how they'll justify dismantling public health care. And Brad Hainstock is listening in. Brad, thanks for watching maybe this morning. He says, just because casinos and churches are open doesn't mean people have to go there. It's a choice they're making, which is exactly the same as the people that are having all the social gatherings. Uh, Brad, you're not wrong, but you got to plant a flag. Are you saying that the measures are appropriate and have gone far enough, or are you saying they're not far enough? I'm curious for your take. Uh, before we get to our next guest, Sam, let's uh, say a big thank you to another group that is making sure that we're able to bring you Real Talk here live every single weekday morning, and it's incredible to have the support of our friends at Friesen Brothers. You know, we're talking a lot about family gatherings over Christmas, whether your cohort is your family unit of two, or whether it's a family unit of six or eight or 10, God help you. Christmas is going to be a busy time for you. And you probably want to take it in as best you can by enjoying the time with your kids, your spouse, your partner, whoever it is that's with you. Why not leave meal prep to the team of Red Seal Chefs at Friesen Brothers? They've got fresh turkey. They've got Alberta-grown produce. They've got their world-famous sourdough. We love checking out the Friesen Brothers in Stony Plain and Fort Saskatchewan. We're super excited about the one that they're getting closer and closer to opening in South Edmonton. I loved hearing from uh, Carol, who reached out to us just the other day. Deborah as well, by the way. Deborah and Drumheller, this was awesome. She emailed us at talk at ryanjesperson.com only to say, Ryan, do you know how awesome the Friesen Brothers is in Drumheller? She says, I just wanted to let you know. It's Alberta grown. It's Alberta owned. And our thanks to Friesen Brothers for their ongoing support of this program. All right, let's get to our next guest. She uh, understands what it's like to keep a business afloat and all the challenges that come with it through a pandemic. She's got Cartago, uh, which is uh, an Edmonton beer house on just the south side of the river and also Fleisch Delicatessen. She's also a mom. She employs people and she goes home. 
to her beautiful daughter when she's done work. So I'm sure that Katie Ingram is viewing this from a number of different angles. It's a nuanced discussion. We know that. And Katie, it's a real pleasure to welcome you to Real Talk. Thanks for making time for us this morning. Thanks for having me, Ryan. And uh, this is uh, extremely exciting. Congratulations. Uh, the inaugural week of your new show. Um, and boy, are we glad to have you on the airwaves uh, after an announcement like yesterday. Um, so, um, yeah. I feel like I, I was almost ready to just sit back, Katie, and, and sip on my coffee because I got the sense that you were just ready to go. So I want to just get out of your way oh, okay. because, because this show sure. is called Real Talk for a Reason. So how do you really feel about the measures announced by Alberta's Premier yesterday afternoon? Um, I'm extremely disappointed for a number of reasons. Um I'm in hospitality, so we can talk hospitality specific. Um, basically, it was the equivalent of a hunter going out um, and gleefully shooting their prey in the leg and letting them bleed to death slowly, as opposed to just shooting them in the heart and killing them then to put them out of their misery. Um, so what, uh, what these new restrictions have done is really they haven't um, done anything. They haven't changed anything, um, but they've made the life of hospitality workers and hospitality ownership um, harder. They've gatekept um, more federal support um, for lockdown, locked down businesses um, because they didn't lock us down. Um, and it's just a lot of confusion and a lot of extra work to be put on to hospitality workers' uh, shoulders with the addition of uh, now having to police who's coming from the same household and who's in their cohorts, which is actually a question that I posed to AHS in June. I said, now that we have these cohorts, who is to be policing that people coming into restaurants or are uh, just coming with their, their designated cohorts? And they said, oh, nobody has to police that. That's just something we're going to trust that everybody does. So here we are back to personal responsibility and we're going to get nowhere again. And with the healthcare situation collapsing the way that it is, uh, it's, this is, I'm very angry. Last night I was trying to channel what my, my actual feelings were. Um, and I'm extremely angry. I'm angry that we're in this position as Albertans and that we have, we're floundering helplessly with absolutely no real leadership um, and an ideologue that's pandering to his base, which is ultimately going to kill a bunch of Albertans. Well, people are going to be watching you or listening <laughs> to you right now or on the podcast. And they're going to be saying, hang on a second. She's, She's a hospitality entrepreneur. Isn't isn't she isn't she supposed to be uh, demanding the green light for everything? Do, don't hospitality entrepreneurs want 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 the green light to open to to full capacity with responsible measures like plexiglass and masks and hand sanitizers and maybe digital thermometers? It it, it almost seems, Katie, like you're you're maybe turning the narrative on its head a little bit here. You think some people are going to be surprised by the position you're taking on this? Um, I think some people maybe, but I also think that people in the industry, um, maybe what they believed, say, two weeks ago about where we were at in this crisis and what they believe after yesterday's announcement um, might be different. Uh, one of the biggest things that uh, Jason Kenney and the UCP have done to um, damage hospitality during this crisis is letting contact tracing collapse. So the data that we do have suggests that one to three percent of case transmission has happens in, uh, in restaurants. So on 10 to 15% of cases, 
that's a lot. But if we had data on 100% of cases or 90% of cases or even 80% of cases um, and still had those low numbers, we would have consumer confidence. We would have the absolute proof to know that we're doing the right things, which I do believe we're doing the right things. Um, I think that Edmonton Hospitality specifically has been exemplary in developing protocols, uh, following protocols. There's certainly been um, a few um, misfits, which is is unfortunate. Um, but if we had that data, uh, if we had evidence, um, which I know is something this government doesn't believe in all the time, but if we had that evidence to support keeping the, the hospitality businesses open conclusively, um, that would be a huge deal to the industry. But because we don't have that, um, there's not, there isn't consumer confidence right now. So regardless of if you're keeping restaurants open, people still aren't going. And the people that are going are either going because they feel bad for the people who work at the restaurant or the people who own the restaurant, or because they do not care or don't believe that COVID is a thing and they are putting hospitality workers and the general public at risk. So this was a huge and complete failure of leadership on the UCP's behalf. And it's really at, because they're at um, the behest of a special interest group, uh, Restaurants Canada. And I think Restaurants Canada is going to have to ha have a real come to Jesus moment with their um, independent uh, owner operator members. Um, after this, because what, what they're doing is they're um, lobbying not to have a lockdown. Well, their board members consist of 7-Eleven. So last I checked, 7-Eleven wasn't a restaurant, regardless of how many times I stress eat chips for supper, they're still not a restaurant. <laughs> so the fact that they're, they're being able to dictate um, to government uh, how, how restaurants should be operating throughout this crisis when it actually has zero impact um, on their business uh, is a huge problem. And the fact that, that no one else in the industry is being consulted except for that very um, specific special interest, interest group who is then expected to communicate out to the industry on the government's behalf is absolutely asinine. And it's, um, you know, for those people that aren't familiar with Restaurants Canada, this isn't like a professional association. This isn't like, okay, you know, you be, become a, a financial planner and then you're part of the Financial Planning Association of Canada. This is a paid member group, which has special, um, which specially um, lobbies different levels of government for different interests that are really not necessarily in the interest of uh, all restaurant owners. And one of the big things is it, they're not in, in any way in the interest of hospitality workers. And the people that are most affected by this crisis from a healthcare perspective in the hospitality industry are hospitality workers. And nobody is out there saying, how are we gonna take care of these hospitality workers who have now seen a dramatic decline in their income because people are not coming out and their businesses aren't going to be shut down. So the people are, the businesses that they work in are not getting the lockdown support. So they may not exist after this and they're not doing anything to specifically say, this is how, if we're making the choice as a province to stay for hospitality to stay open, this is how we're going to take care of hospitality workers. None of that is included. Uh, 
I wouldn't have been able to read a comment like this uh, in, in a previous manifestation of my career, but Chris Sturwald's listening in right now. He says, holy shit, Katie Ingram is laying it out on Real Talk RJ right now. Eileen Banks listening in says, Katie's bang on with everything she's saying. Drew Forward is calling this a scathing takedown. If you want to, maybe Katie, as, as we say thanks for now, you'll be back on the show, obviously, but, but if you want to leave us with something, people that are watching now, live streaming, listening, or maybe listening to the podcast later that are going to remember the one thing Katie Ingram said the government should have done this yesterday. What is it? They should have, they should have either said they don't care about Albertans or proved that they do care about Albertans because the plan that they uh, proposed yesterday is going to kill a lot of Albertans and that shouldn't be okay with anybody and everybody should be speaking up about it and everybody should be demanding better. And for those in Edmonton and Calgary, your uh, local leadership has a meeting on Friday to go further if need be. So contact your local municipalities and tell them what you want. And if you're a restaurant owner tell them you want to be shut down so that you only have to pay 10 percent of your rent not 35 percent of your rent okay katie ingram uh, by the way a former uh, or do you maintain your certification as a financial planner how does that work is it like do you hold the title for life no, even, no? You, you've let it lapse <laughs> no i have i have, have all these different you know uh funerals for all the different uh parts of my life <laughs> so that that one's been put to bed so okay. i don't claim to to be an expert in that <laughs> okay but, area anymore but, but but you have the credibility of having had a career in financial services and and now katie has, has put it all on the line like so many other thousands of our fellow albertans as a hospitality entrepreneur with Cartago and Fleisch Delicatessen. Katie, thanks for pulling no punches, and we'll look forward to your next appearance here on the show. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Thanks for doing this. We, we are so happy to have you back. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, on the Real Talk RJ hashtag, uh, Nancy Kirkpatrick listening in says, uh, Katie, the restaurateur laying out the reason and logic for Albertans. Uh, she says, I wish Jason Kenny had spoken to her. Thank you, Real Talk, says Nancy. We need real leadership. Uh, what we're seeing right now is not helping entrepreneurs. And I want to give credit to Brad. Brad Hainstock's listening in. Remember before he said, you know, people can choose. He says whether houses of worship are open or not. Uh, people can choose uh, whether or not they go there. And I said, yeah, but, but Brad, are you saying that it's good or bad? And hey, he followed up, which I love. If I ask you for a follow-up, you give me the follow-up. We'll push that out to the people. So Brad says, the only thing I would have changed, he says, is I would have added a mandatory mask requirement for the province. He says, other than that, I hope I don't need government to tell me that I need to do the right thing to protect the more vulnerable. That from Brad Hainstock, who hashtags flag planted. That's a job well done, buddy. And thanks for listening or watching to the show this morning. We appreciate it. Uh, before we get to columnist Leisha Corbella, we're going to bring you a couple of the news headlines, including basically if, if, if you just want to know how the game changed yesterday. If you're just going all the talk, you want to sift through everything and you want to know what actually changed, we're going to get to that in just a second. But right now we want to recognize another one of our building sponsors. This is a sponsor that's been with us since this show launched. As a matter of fact, since before the show launched, and we're grateful to have the team at St. Albert and Sherwood Dodge driving real talk through our first week and beyond. This is the season. I mean, I don't know what it looks like in your neck of the woods. We got to notice today that uh, some of our viewers are tuning in from Edinburgh, Scotland. I don't know right now if the snow is falling there. I know that last night we had a beautiful dusting here in Edmonton, southern part of the province in some of the pockets seeing the same conditions. Now's the time to make sure that you have the confidence that a Jeep can provide. I'm driving a 2020 Jeep Grand Cherokee right now from the team at St. Albert Dodge. I absolutely love it. 
And what I love most about it is I don't have to think about the safety elements behind it. This thing basically has measures in place to ensure that my drive is safe. And when I've got family in tow, that's the most important thing. I know I don't have to tell you that. So whether it's sales or service that you're looking for, the teams at Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge are all about relationships. Go see Scott and his team today and tell them that Jespo sent you. Let's quickly take a look at the headlines, uh, Sam, before we get to post-media columnist Licia Corbella, the story obviously that everybody's paying attention to in Alberta right now. New measures announced by the government of Alberta by way of Premier Jason Kenney. Health Minister Tyler Shandro taking some questions yesterday as well. Indoor social gatherings are outlawed in the province for at least the next three weeks. You could face a fine of $1,000 if it makes it to court, which it won't. You could face fines well beyond that. But this is kind of more of a don't be a jerk type thing, right? Premier Kenny was hesitant yesterday. He talked a bit about Solicitor General and and, and bylaw officers and, and some levels of potential enforcement. Uh, but for the most part, Alberta's Premier says there won't be a snitch line and we're asking people to comply. Not everybody will, I'm sure. But if there are outdoor gatherings, you're limited to 10 as you are with funerals and weddings too. Schools beginning November 30th mostly will transition to online learning with different implications based on the grade level that your young learners are at. Places of worship can remain open at 30% capacity based on the fire code number. So that means that in some of Alberta's super churches like First Alliance down in Calgary, St. Joseph's Basilica here, Crossroads in Red Deer and others, I mean, they have the potential to still welcome seven or 800 worshipers in. I think that's a problem. The government is asking you if at all possible to work from home. Restaurants, bars, pubs, and lounges remain open with limitations in place around cohort groups and times of liquor service, which closes at 10 o'clock. Can somebody help me understand that one too? I don't really get it. If, like, I can get wasted and sloppy and sneeze all over everybody at 6 p.m., right? I'm not sure I understand that one. The businesses that are closing uh, right now uh, will no doubt look at those that are remaining open and want some explanation as to why that may be the case. And certainly that gives us a nice segue to our next guest. Leisha Corbella had an opportunity yesterday, not just to take in the premier's address like the rest of us, but she had the opportunity to ask a question. And she's been writing in her column for Post Media and the Calgary Herald about the plight of retailers. Heading into December, I mean, this is the biggest month for retailers bar none by a mile. So how do they feel about the announcements, the restrictions announced yesterday? Leisha Carbella making her debut here on you Real know, Talk. I, Thank I, you so I'm much. I'm going to jump in right me. here. Okay. We don't have her on the line yet. Okay, uh, you we got Mo Blayways ready to go. Okay, well, you, why don't we do that, Sam? Yeah. We'll get to Mo Blayways. Uh, yeah, that's fine. We can pivot. Uh, so Mo Blayways uh, is a personal friend of mine. Mo is also uh, a, a restaurateur. Uh, he's an entrepreneur with First Round, which is like a, a sports bar, kind of a restaurant here in Edmonton. And he's just, just opened Five and Dive, uh, which is a really cool concept on Bourbon Street in West Edmonton Mall. Here's the thing that'll make this particularly interesting as we go back to back on our guest, Katie Ingram, taking some pretty big swipes at Restaurants Canada. Do we have Mo ready to go here? Uh I am waiting for his video to connect. Okay, Just, waiting uh, for the video. Yeah. That's fine. I've got a ton on Twitter here that I can get to. So again, at the Real Talk RJ hashtag, and what I was going to say is that Mo is, uh, I'm sure, going to have some things to say. If memory serves me correct, I think he was the founding president of Restaurants Canada, but I'll confirm that uh, with him in just a moment. 
Uh, Julie Rohr is listening into the show. Uh, she says this from a restaurant owner in Edmonton. She's quoting what we just heard from Katie Ingram. The plan they proposed yesterday is going to kill a lot of Albertans. That shouldn't be okay with anybody, and everybody should be speaking up about it and demanding better. That from uh, Julie. Nicholas is listening in, and he says, it looks like my, quote, wedding or funeral will just be during a Sunday church service with a few hundred attending. Nicholas is making a good point. Does it make sense to anybody that a church can welcome in 700 people for worship on a Sunday morning, but only 10 people for a wedding or a funeral? Does that make any sense to anybody? Let's talk about restaurants. Let's talk about hospitality. We know that there are more than 13,000 hospitality establishments in the province of Alberta, and a striking statistic, Jason Kenney yesterday, claiming that up to 40% of them fear that they may be forced to permanently close if a lockdown were to be put in place, a second lockdown here in the province of Alberta. As mentioned, Mo Blayways is the owner of First Round and the new Five and Dive that just opened on Bourbon Street in West Edmonton Mall. Mo, welcome to Real Talk. Thanks for making time for us. Thanks for getting back on the air. It's about time. Yeah, it is about time, and I appreciate that. Did I get that correctly, Mo? I got to be honest. I was going off the top of my head. Were you the founding president of Restaurants Canada? No, no, no. I was the founding uh, president of the Old South Kona Hospitality Association. Ah, got it right. But big, you, big difference, a lot less members. Yeah, but you are affiliated with Restaurants Canada, correct? Uh, I'm affiliated as a member, and I've served on an advisory committee with Restaurants Canada, correct? Okay, so we just talked to Katie Ingram, uh, a fellow bar owner in Edmonton who had some pretty strong words for the government and, and took a couple of swipes at Restaurants Canada, suggesting that they're certainly not representing every restaurateur in the province of Alberta. From your perspective as an employer, as a longtime restaurateur, I think about a quarter century in business in Edmonton for you, uh, what do you make of the uh, restrictions announced yesterday, and, and do be, you believe believe that the government got it right or missed the mark when it comes to your particular perspective as an entrepreneur? Well, I think the, as an entrepreneur, I think the government had the impossible task of trying to balance off, you know, public health and allowing people to basically keep their livelihoods going. And I don't know that there is a right answer. There's only an answer that you know, they can, they can take all the information they have and all the evidence they have and uh, try to do what's right. Uh, you know, you did mention that there's 13,000 restaurants uh, in, in Alberta. I think we have something like 175,000 people employed uh, in the province. And to suggest that locking them all out of their jobs that, you know, they earn their living from uh, and they put their food on their table and, you know, put clothes on, the, on their children's backs, to lock them out uh, as a simple solution that may or may not even solve the problem that we're trying to solve, I think is a decision that nobody wants to make. And, you know, there's some pretty strong words used to say that the government doesn't care or that Restaurants Canada don't care. I, quite frankly, I think that's ignorant. And I think it's, uh, I, I think it's putting a lot of people in a big bubble. And I don't see, I don't share that opinion whatsoever. So I, I think those that want to close have every right to do that and unlike your guest i wouldn't judge those people because i think they have to do what they have to do in their best interest and in the best interest of their staff and their loved ones but to you know disparage and and denigrate everybody else who chooses to keep their doors open to try to make a living for the most part uh or entirely safely i might add I have no problem with it. I think the government did the best they could given the circumstances. And keep in mind something too. They didn't make this decision in a vacuum. This is modeled over or on BC's policymaking too. 
which happens to be an NDP government, which I think would please some of your guests. <laughs> you know what I need? What I think I need to do next, Mo, is just get you and Katie in on the same interview, and then I'll just get out of the way. So we'll do that the next time that we talk hospitality here on this show. But a big part, I think, of the Alberta government's approach to this, uh, and these are the premier's words, not mine, is, is centering around the idea of personal responsibility. And there's a lot of talk about balancing your personal responsibilities with your expectations of personal liberties and, and freedoms. How has that worked, in your estimation, with regards to compliance? Compliance to things like mask orders and appropriate approaches to things like proper hand hygiene and social distancing. What have you seen in your restaurants, in your bars, and, and do you believe that maybe the government needs to take a further step in that? Or are you confident that the general population, that your fellow Albertans are doing what needs to be done and have proven that they're capable of being diligent there? Well, I think the statistics would prove the point that that people are being diligent for the most part. I mean, we know that community spread is a very is a very small number when it comes to the hospitality industry. Um, yes, I'm sure it does happen, but you know the, the the largest outbreaks are in hospitals and are are in you know care homes and in in schools for that matter. And we're not shutting down hospitals and we're not shutting down care homes. And you know to shut down the the, the businesses that aren't the biggest issue to me would seem counterintuitive. I will add also that. You know, being involved in this industry, knowing a lot of the people in town who are running these operations, I've, I've really been quite impressed with the uh, level of responsibility exhibited by almost every restaurant and bar that I can think of. I mean, granted, uh, as your former guest uh, noted, there's some renegades out there breaking the rules. And I, and I think that we have the uh, mechanisms in place to punish those people that choose to, to flout the rules. And I have no problem with that. We all have to be part of the solution. But, you know... I've personally spent tens of thousands of dollars on PPE, on masks, on hand sanitizers, on digital thermometers, on doing logs. We've had the compliance team come and inspect us several times already, and they were quite impressed with how our operations were going. And I can speak to, you know, West Edmonton Mall. You know, you walk in a door there, you walk in an entrance there, there's hand sanitizers, there's, there's signage everywhere, there's arrows on the floor. I mean, this isn't a perfect situation, but we are seeing spread across the country in every single province. So, so to suggest that it's this government's actions or inactions as to the reason why it's spreading, I'd say, why don't we look to the east where they've been locked down for months and their, their cases are going through the roof as well. Relatively speaking, we've done a very good job here. And as an industry and as hospitality, we employ a huge amount of people. And this, in many cases, isn't necessarily something they only do for passion. This is people's lives. This is how they pay their bills. And when the news came out yesterday that we're going to be thrown a lifeline and be allowed to open, should we choose to do so, under strict guidance that was based on BC's choices, we actually took the time and deliberated for many, many hours as to whether or not we should voluntarily close or we should open. And you know what, what moved the needle for me personally was we did a lot of consultation with our staff and we said, yes or no, close or open. You have the choice not to come to work. Your job will always be there waiting for you. And to a person, they all said, we need to work. We want to come to work. We feel safe at work. Those few people that didn't express that, but may feel that way, have every right. And we encourage them to tell us they don't feel comfortable and will happily accommodate them to not come to work. But to take it away from those who do want to come to work and earn their living and put food on their table, especially during the Christmas season, I, I commend the government wholeheartedly on their decision. 
Mo, what would a, a, a so-called circuit breaker shut down? You know, let, let's say for, for purposes of, of, of hypothetical, uh, maybe a two-week shutdown or a three-week shutdown. Uh, I mean, you're, you're one of these maniacs. That's a compliment, by the way. You're one of these maniacs that has fearlessly opened a new bar in the middle of a pandemic. You just opened Five and Dive, as mentioned, in West Edmonton Mall. You've also got first round. Uh, what would a circuit breaker shutdown do to your businesses? What sort of a real impact would it have on you and your hospitality company? It's a tough question. I mean, and it's a great question. It, it's it's something that is very difficult. I mean, we've had a, we had a, whatever it was, a two or three month circuit breaker before in March. And it was, it was difficult on so many levels. I mean, granted, there is, you know, some really good supports for us out there from the federal government. And, you know, contrary to popular belief, there was support for small business from the provincial government. They did have some grants for PPE and so on and so forth. And they did put out some emergency grants to people. And, you know, one of the really difficult things was the disruption to business, the, the, the laying off of the staff, the, the pivoting constantly, whether that was to curbside or to delivery and pickup and fighting with those companies. And you know what, it, it's not about what it'll do. We'll adapt to any situation thrown at us because we won't have a choice. Um, I suppose the, the, the thing now, if you, if, if you listen to the government speech yesterday was in their, in their view, it was a mistake to lock down entirely in the first place. Um, I'm not sure I, I totally agree with that. I think we had to do what we had to do because we didn't know what we were dealing with as well as we do now. Um, again, I, I wouldn't, it, it would be very difficult on us to say the least. And I will add that during the Christmas season, especially, you know, it's not just, it's not just retailers that rely on this season. I, I have a lot of, uh, we're in the sports bar business in one of our locations and, and, and it's been very difficult with sports going offline and, you know, having hockey playoffs in the middle of summer and basketball playoffs. And, you know, to try to plan for all this is, is very difficult, but you know, it's not just us, it's retailers. And, you know, there's, there is a, a hugely, uh, negative impact on a, in, a, in a trickle down sort of way if you're to close down retailers in their busiest season I mean many of these people make all of their living within one month and to shut them down has an effect on landlords and that has an effect on a lot of other people so you know I, I just think it's very flippant for people to suggest that shutting down is the only option I think there is some going to be some negative uh, impacts they're going to have to incur by being closed at 10 o'clock especially at our new place where a lot of our revenue, probably call it 60%, is done after the hours of 10 o'clock. And so it, this is hugely impactful, even not to be fully locked down, but to have these restrictions, not to mention the fact that there will be a lot of people that won't want to go out to begin with. And, you know, we'll have to deal with it. But at this point, you know, the government had a tough choice to make, but so do hospitality operators and so do hospitality employees. And, you know, the, the choice we made was, was difficult and it was to stay open believe it or not some people had a very easy time of staying open we didn't you know but we we did our due diligence the best we could balance all the decisions we had to make and and we made a difficult decision and i, I would i would proffer this to you jespo that in, in in three weeks time uh the government did say that if their r value wasn't down to a level that made them hot happy i think it was 0 0.08 or something like that or point zero point eight sorry there would be stricter measures. And I don't know that there's any stricter measures to take other than a lockdown, but 
when you have yeah, but Mo, I think, <laughs> but Mo, I think what people are concerned about there is that that that's another three weeks, right? And if and if this continues for another three weeks, then you're in a real hellish problem, right? Because then you've got I, maybe I, ICUs I, at more I, of a capacity I, situation. I fully agree, and you know what? I'm not the health medical officer here. I, I'm 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 in, I'm given a decision to make: open or don't open. I definitely have my opinions on the subject. I'm an employer. I have my own mouths to feed, and I have my own bills to pay. But I, I took the selfishness out of this uh, as best as any any business operator could, whether you're in hospitality or in retail. Like I said, people do have a choice, and I do absolutely agree with the comment that was made earlier, because it's a conversation I had with some of my own staff, which is. I don't believe we're putting our, our staff in harm's way by allowing them to make a choice whether or not they want to come to work in the safe environment we provide them with and do their jobs for pay. I think that that is, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever, but I do believe that no matter what the policy is, and this might answer your question a little bit better, no matter what the policy is, we could have the best policy in the world, but if people aren't going to be responsible with the behavior that they exhibit, no policy in the world will matter. You can lock down the whole place. They did that already in Ontario and in Quebec. And guess what? Look at their numbers. It's not solving their problem by being locked down either. And so I think we can look to that and say, well, what's the balance here? Is it locking everybody out and taking away everyone's ability to pay their bills and kicking them out on the street and having them lose their homes and their mortgages? I don't think so. And I think three weeks is a long time in this pandemic and create a lot of problems. And I, I fear just... I fear the same as everybody else does for, for what that might mean to our system. But at the same time, there is a very valid and real concern with mental health and people going to work and making money and the fear they have with that. And we've seen a huge, huge, huge amount of, of I guess, ancillary death and, and sickness coming from being locked down and not having the opportunity to go to work. And so to, to, to cast that aside is just so ignorant to me. And I think the government did a great job and it's a terrible position that they have to be in. And again, contrary to popular belief, I think the government does care and they have a really tough decision to make. And I will say that whether it was Rachel Notley or whether it was Jason Kenney or whether it was Doug Ford or John Horrigan, it doesn't matter. All these people, of course they care. I think they're in an impossible situation. They have to make a decision that nobody would want to have to make. They didn't sign up to have to make this decision when they became the premiers of this of their province. Well, they signed they up. To, to Mo, they signed up. They signed up to lead, uh, regardless yeah, of what happens. Of they they signed up to lead yeah. if terrorists target the oil yeah. sands. They Absolutely. signed up to leave if there's a wildfire to lead. Not leave. Absolutely. Uh, let me get. Absolutely. Let me get. To, let me get to our hashtag, Mo. Uh, on the Real Talk RJ hashtag Wise Dog says, "I am so happy that you had Katie." And Mo on this morning says, I align more with Mo, but I want to understand and respect Katie's point of view. Wise Dog says, of note, <clears throat> I found Mo to be respectful of those who might feel different, while Katie literally called patrons killers. It's a great spectrum. Hey, spectrum is how we're going to roll here. Meantime, Kathleen Smith is listening in, and Mo, I want to put this in front of you so you can address her comment directly. I know you're not afraid to do that. She says, your guest Mo lost me the moment he compared locking down McDonald's to locking down hospitals. Also, he's ignoring that employees and owners can't get federal benefits if the provincial government won't go to shut down. Katie gets it. Mo definitely does not. What would you say to Kathleen? I, I didn't compare McDonald's to shutting down hospitals. Number one. Number two, I, I don't even understand the question, to be honest with you. Uh, 
you might have to spell that. Well, one I think I, I think basically, and I I think your, your quote had something along the lines of 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 there are outbreaks in hospitals, but we're not shutting them down. And I think that people probably thought that that was probably disingenuous to compare a fast food restaurant to a to a hospital. You're obviously going to have COVID more of a reality in hospital than otherwise. But the point that she's making here is that employees. Okay, okay so so I'll answer that, and I'll, I'll make this a little easier for the person who had that question. None of this is to be taken literally. They're, 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 we're making we're not making direct comparisons. We're using analogies. And I'm supposedly, I guess what I'm trying to say is that we have some evidence that some evidence and granted our contract tracing has, has, has basically fallen apart here. And I respect that. Um, at the same time, I would suggest to you that we still know. And I mean, listen, we've been open since March and I know most of the restaurant operators in the province and we talked to AHS and we talked to the compliance team. There's been very little community spread in the restaurants. But what I'm trying to say is a lot of these detractors want to say, let's follow the science, except when the science isn't what they want it to say. And the science is now saying, and it's saying this across the country that restaurants are not the largest or most severe source of community spread. We must pay attention to that. If it's one of the few places we can allow to remain open and she has every right to have the opinion. I happen to uh, follow that person on social media and know that no matter what Jason Kenny or the UCP did or said, it wasn't going to be good enough. And I'm not surprised that she doesn't agree with me either. That being said, I apologize for making a comparison between a hospital and McDonald's if that's what she thinks I did. But that's not a quote. So no one should put those words in my mouth. I made an analogy. Perhaps it was a poor analogy. I can make that much more clear for somebody if they don't understand it. But the reality is, let me break, be very clear about this. We do not have a massive amount of community spread in the hospitality industry. We've been operating with all the guidance as businesses. You walk into my restaurant and you've done this, Jespo. You're told to sanitize your hands. You're wearing a mask. You're sitting basically in a plexiglass room. We're doing everything that would be done in, in, in much more protective environments. And the option is still yours as a guest to come in or not to come in. No one's putting a gun to anybody's head and saying, go to a restaurant. And many aren't. And that's really tough for a lot of restaurants right now. But if people don't want to be in these restaurants, that's their prerogative. But the prerogative shouldn't be taken away to actually run these restaurants and keep them open for those that work in them. Okay, Mo Blayways, uh, we asked you to come on here and speak your mind, and you've done exactly that. President, uh, co-founder in Passive Old Strathcona Hospitality Association uh, for the last five years on the Advisory Committee to Restaurants Canada. And I want to give a shout-out to a group. I said, what's the one thing you want me to say when I introduce you? And you said you wanted me uh, to point out how proud you are to partner up with Kids Sport uh, and your hockey player-sponsored burgers. When everything's back to normal, Mo, I look forward to crushing a burger. And we want to thank you for making time for us this morning and, and, and participating in some real talk. Thanks for this. Thanks for having me on the show as usual. Yeah, you got it. So that's Mo Blayways. Uh, we're hoping to connect with Leisha Corbell. It's been, it's been uh, Sam Brooks has been doing an amazing job today in light of some technical difficulties, uh, which is, of course, unfortunate. But he is our calm and steady. Uh, what, 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 who do you want to be today? I, I, if the, are you the captain of the ship today, Mo? Uh, uh, Sam, I think that that would I be. I don't know if I deserve captain well, I think, accolades. I think people, um... people aren't seeing what's going on behind the scenes <laughs> no, as, as you furiously I actually want to point something out here, and, and this is because I, you know, I'm, I'm monitoring literally everything that makes this show happen while I'm while I'm doing this. And there's a lot of moving parts and we're a brand new show and we're, we're three days in and we kind of built this thing from the ground up. Um, 
we have the most understanding audience. Like, I just got to say, like, I'm watching the comments on YouTube and I'm watching Twitter and I'm watching some people are even commenting on Mixer, which I didn't even know you could do. Um, we, like, the audience gets it. We're, we're doing this as best we can. We're two people in one room. Um, thank you so much to our viewers and listeners. This will slowly get better as we build this show. Okay, uh, Dr. Elaine Hishka is listening in or watching, and we sure appreciate that. A, a well-respected voice uh, in Alberta's medical community. She says, it's, it's been frustrating, she said, listening to your current guest advance a bunch of false health claims. She says, the East has not been locked down for months. Uh, suicide rates have been stable through the lockdown, the pandemic, and there are inherent risks with indoor dining, even if public health guidance is followed perfectly. Uh, Dr. Hishka says data collected over the summer with robust testing and contact tracing uh, aren't super relevant to a situation where we now have widespread community transmission. That from Dr. Elaine Hishka. On Twitter, Real Talk RJ is the hashtag we're monitoring. Edward Supertramp says, how do you start a point by confirming contact tracing's broken and we don't know where cases are coming from and then promptly announce there's no evidence that your business is a problem. Uh, Brandon says, I'd, I'd be curious to know what Mo would say if you put the CDC study in front of him that says that there is spread in hospitality. It sounds to me like maybe he's the one that's unaware of the science. The comments are coming in fast. I'll tell you what we're going to do. Uh, Sam, you cool to hang out for a little bit past 10 o'clock. We've still got, I know that Leisha Corbella, Absolutely. Uh, through no fault of her own, is having a difficult time uh, getting in today. I'll tell I, you this. I, she's just getting set up is right she with now. Us? Okay, that's great. So what we'll do is why don't we go into overtime? We'll, we'll hit the headlines at the top of the clock, and then we'll get to Leisha Corbella, who's who's been writing columns on the business uh, side of this for Post Media for the Calgary Herald. First, let's recognize another one of our sponsors that, that we're really excited uh, to have joining us on this journey i've been telling you about todd's mechanical this week uh when you talk about small businesses when you talk about entrepreneurs that are taking all these risks right now whether whether it's in a circumstance and i'm not saying this is todd i'm saying generally speaking entrepreneurs right now some of you are looking for ways to refinance your house some of you are dipping into rsps or tapping into your life savings to make business happen the first time that i talked to todd about his business, about partnering with Real Talk, I knew I liked him. He goes, hey, listen, here's my story. He says, I had a career in the oil field. I needed to pivot. He wanted to spend more time with his family. He wanted a little more stability, so he started Todd's Mechanical, and now he's, he's recognized. Look at his online ratings as the best plumber in Edmonton, quite frankly. He's proud to be keeping Edmonton warm and dry and provide that small business, that connection that you get. I mean, he named the business after himself, and it's how he approaches it. The last thing you want is for your furnace to conk out when it gets down to minus 30, and we know it's going there. I hate to remind you of that. Uh, so for the best plumbing service in Edmonton and area, call Todd's Mechanical at 780-499-7598. Sam, let's take a quick look at the headlines before we talk to Leisha. So an announcement uh, yesterday by Premier Jason Kenney that Alberta will, for the next three weeks or so, implement new measures. So what do they look like? Well, let's take a look at what the measures announced are. Basically, in the Premier's words, if you host an indoor gathering in Alberta right now, it's, well, quite frankly, it's illegal. Uh, weddings and funerals capped at 10 with no receptions after. Church services, worship services can continue at 30% capacity per their fire codes, which seems to be one of the sticking points with many of you that are tuned in today. Casinos are still open for slot machines. That one's blowing my mind a little bit. If you have a one-on-one -on -one appointment booked with your personal trainer, 
check in with them, but the chances are you can keep that. But the group fitness classes are out for now, as are sports. And there are implications for kids in schools as well. Starting November 30th, schools will pivot to online learning with staggered return dates, uh, depending on what grade level the kids are at. All right, let's get to our next guest, and, and we're grateful that she has stuck with us. It's uh, been some tech wrangling behind the scenes, but we're grateful that Leisha Corbella has agreed to take some time to talk to us today. Uh, the columnist for Post Media out of the Calgary Herald. Leisha, welcome to Real Talk. Thanks for making time for us. You're welcome, Ryan. Sorry about the mess up there. I, I had the wrong passcode or something. Hey, you yeah. know what? We, we we are on day three of what we hope will be thousands of days of this show, Leisha. So we're going to get it all figured out. And we appreciate you sticking with it. Uh, your column uh, published in the Calgary Herald today, the headline reads, Retailers Relieved Government Has Not Locked Them Down. Uh, what were the retailers telling you, the ones that you talked to? And, and what did they make? And what did you make of the measures announced yesterday? Well, I actually had a woman call me and she said that, um, well, actually she'd called me, she's called me for the last sort of month. She's a nail salon owner, a little Vietnamese woman. Oh my gosh, she looks like a doll. And um, she, uh, she said she would have lost everything. She was on the verge of, I think, some kind of a mental breakdown. And yesterday she was so relieved that um, she called me later in the evening and said, um, I just feel like I have my life back, that this this pending, what we all thought was gonna be a lockdown has not occurred. She's, she's so safe, her place is spotless. And, um, you know, she, so for retailers, the, the Canadian Federation of Independent Business says that they have a survey that's on the in the books like it hasn't been released yet but 40 percent of businesses in Alberta said small businesses in Alberta said that they would have gone bankrupt had there been another lockdown 40 percent and you know small and medium-sized businesses employ 93 percent of the Alberta population of workers so I mean it's huge and you know um you look at what's happened in Toronto, you know, these small shops, I don't know about you, I'd rather walk into a small shop with um, one or two people working there and buy my stuff there than a big box store, like, you know, where there's thousands of people. Um, so I think these, I think the government found the right balance here. Uh, there's there's been I think some criticism that maybe the government right now hasn't taken steps uh, w with regards to yesterday's measures that it could have uh, in the context uh, probably I think most notably Leisha people are talking about places of worship I mean it's hard to imagine I know you and I are both very familiar with 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 the congregation of First Alliance Church I, I described it as about as close as you can get to the Texas super churches in the province yeah. of Alberta under under their fire code numbers at thirty percent capacity they could still have seven hundred and fifty people in there. Is there justification for continuing to allow that? I know a church like First Alliance or St. Joseph's here in Edmonton or Crossroads in Red Deer could easily move services online. Why don't you think the government's calling for that? Yeah, I think there's a lot of pushback from uh, some groups here. Not Certainly not from our church. Our church shut down quite happily. Um, they are housing, First Alliance is housing the Mustard Seed Street Ministry. That's where they, they um, are now staying. They're actually building new bathrooms with more showers to accommodate that. 
Um, but the, uh, you know, I, I, th I think there's some congregations that view this as a real breach of religious freedom. I don't see it that way. I don't think most um, church people see it that way. You know, First Alliance can seat 3,000 people. So you're right, like 750 people would be within um, the bounds there. But um, they're not getting anywhere near that. Most people are watching online. And, um, and you know, they've, they've got the plexiglass barriers everywhere and only family groups are allowed to see, sit in one row and um, that kind of thing. And there's no chit-chatting afterwards and no socializing, no coffee time, no meals, obviously. And um, it, yeah, so, I mean, it's... It's nice to go in person, but it's not necessary. You can watch online. If you can't visit with people, why, you know, why go really? Do you think that Alberta should have a province-wide mask mandate? We talked to, to Drew Barnes earlier this morning out of uh, Cypress Medicine Hat, and, and, and as far as he's concerned, he says, I don't think we need it down here. Uh, he argued that the science is split on it. I'm not sure that that's the case, but he said anecdotally he thinks about 70% of medicine hatters were wearing masks voluntarily. Alberta's a bit of an outlier on a bit of an island with regards to no province-wide mandate. Do you think we should have one, Leisha? Absolutely, we should have one. One of the things that, um, and I read this somewhere, I can't remember where, but that if you don't have a mandatory mask thing, the peer pressure thing falls into place. And that is people think, oh, they're going to think I'm a chicken if I wear a mask and I'm afraid. And yeah, you should be afraid. COVID's really, really bad. <laughs> you should be afraid of COVID. And um, even if you have a mild case, you could end up having that post-COVID syndrome. So, you know, it doesn't cost anything to have a mandatory mask um, mandate. So why wouldn't you have one? And so I just don't understand this reticence to say, oh, you know, the rural folk, yeah, I, you know, obviously I get it. If, if, you know, Joe is going into the local general store in Caroline, Alberta, and there's no one around, maybe he, you know, nobody's going to send him, uh, send, give him a fine for not wearing a mask, right? But if there's other people in the store, then he should put a mask on just out of courtesy right yeah yeah that was uh, you know it's it's and, and i'm i'm i get really uh i mean it was it was very interesting wasn't it leisha and what an insight uh to see jason kenny clearly uncomfortable yesterday with the idea of, of government you know as an example telling people that they can't welcome visitors into their homes he was clearly uncomfortable with that and even me personally in in, in putting due thought into and in consideration into what my comments were going to be this morning uh, trying to find that balance between, yes, asking people to be respectful and responsible, but then also recognizing that, that not everybody is. I mean, you know, the one thing I think that, that that is an obvious example is we have impaired driving legislation for a reason, because most people won't get all smashed and get behind the wheel. But some people will, because frankly, my dear, they don't give a damn. Right. So I, I think that trying to find that balance is, is, is maybe what this conversation really boils down to. Yeah, it's, it's all about finding balance. And, you know, it's about responsibility. Like, you know, a lot of people are talking about their rights. Well, what about their responsibilities to protect yeah. others, 
right? And, and th th that's that's the, the the flip side of the coin, right? We always talk about rights, our, my right, my right, my right to do this and to do that. Well, the other side of that coin is responsibility. And we have a we have a responsibility to protect the most vulnerable. And wearing a mask is just the least you can do, right? Yeah, 100% just, agree. Yeah. And having people in your home, I'm glad for this because we have been having small gatherings in our home like you know uh two people that like you know two bachelors who probably need a, a better meal and things like that we've been having them over and now we know you know what that's that's not okay and so uh, we've been told and we're going to follow the rules Leisha Corbella, you can read her column uh, this morning and, and through the week in Post Media Papers, including the Calgary Herald. I look forward to welcoming you back to the show, Leisha. Again, thanks for not bailing when the technical difficulties uh, manifested themselves. I feel so bad. No, <laughs> yes. it's not you. It's not you. It's all good. Leisha, thanks so much. And we'll talk to you again soon. That's Leisha Corbella uh, of the Calgary Herald. Uh, I sure appreciate it. We're into overtime here on, on Real Talk. And, and maybe we just need to make the show longer. I mean, with all this uh, sponsor support, this advertiser support, and the interest that we're seeing, we're just going to keep making the show longer because we're not going to start adding more advertisements into the same time period. I promise you that with more advertiser support will come more time on the air. Uh, but we do have some time now to get to some of what you're saying. Cameron Johnson's uh, watching the show. We appreciate that. He says, you know, hospitality is a very tough industry, but wanting the government to force industry to shut down to ensure your survival is not appropriate. That's from Cameron. Paula Kerman's listening in. She says, but now that contact tracing is lost, we don't know where new cases are coming from. Scarlett Bjornsson's watching this morning. She says, I want to say well done with the diverse panel today. She says, totally following through with your real talk promise. Hey, there are going to be voices that you align with on this program, Perspectives, and there we're going to bring people on this show that you think are absolutely out to lunch, and we hope that their perspectives will challenge your long-held perspectives. We hope that you will put everything that you believe through a filter and if it still makes it through that filter and you still feel the way you do, then you can say that you've participated in an important exercise. Scarlett goes on to say we're not always going to agree and we shouldn't always agree. Healthy debate is just that healthy. She says this is great. Uh, there's a motion this morning, including laughing out loud. Great conversations. Uh, this is uh, great to hear from so many of you. Um, let's recognize another partner here that I mean, you know, the show like this doesn't happen without the support of our builders. And we've recognized them all at RyanJesperson.com under the sponsors page. It includes Mark and Michael, two of our good friends that own and operate the Dairy Queens in Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. Uh, these guys are all about community connection. I didn't get a look at their books, but somebody did tell me, somebody reputable, how much these guys plug back into their community by way of charitable donations. It's an enormous amount. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to send them a message and, and ask them if I can tell you the number. It's six figures plus. These guys are all about operating businesses, employing people, and giving back to the communities they call home. Now, the DQ brand speaks for itself. If I say Dilly Bar or if I say Blizzard, or if I start talking about that sticky sort of crumbled cake layer on the ice cream cakes at Dairy Queen, they speak for themselves. 
but I really want to spell out how important these guys see their connection to community. So as we prepare to transition again back to a to to a more, uh, do we say, dialed back social situation for at least the next three weeks, if you're going to be hitting drive throughs if you're going to be ordering from food delivery apps, please show some love to Dairy Queens in Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. You know, it's been a big first week for the show here as we near the end of our third day. And yesterday, if you saw on my, you can follow me on Instagram at Ryan Jesperson. You can follow me on Twitter and Sam as well. Uh, You would have seen our announcement that the iTunes charts were out and it shows that Real Talk is already after two days and now into day three, the most listened to daily podcast in the country. So we're very excited about that. We're also excited that the iTunes charts show Real Talk is the number four most downloaded podcast in Canada, period, just behind Bill Gates and Joe Rogan. So we want to thank you for that. Our email inbox is booming right now. And I was going through last night. I was writing people back into the the midnight hours. And and I just wanted to give you a sense of what some people are saying right now in our email inbox. And you'll hear more in our trash talk segment presented by Local Waste that's coming up on Friday. But Stephen, Stephen wrote in to let us know that it was his first time ever participating on Patreon. He made a commitment to support this show on a monthly basis. He says he's got his parents all set up to listen to. And Stephen, we really appreciate that. Grant is saving the city this morning with Edmonton Fire Rescue. He says, Jespo, We've got your show streaming in the fire truck as we're making our way around the city. That means so much to us, Grant, and we wish you and your colleagues with Edmonton Fire Rescue a safe journey out there on the roads, and thank you for your service. Steve let us know that he signed up on Mixler to stream audio live as he hits the road. He says, I've got long trips with whatever Steve does for his business. He says, I'm thrilled to see your podcast already a big success. Brian says, if we can do anything, anything about it please he says continue to provide compelling content he says i'm lobbying my folks to break their radio habit and tune into what you're doing here well brian we will continue with that compelling content tomorrow's show is going to be amazing i'm looking forward to it harry he says jesperson i was listening in i was streaming the audio on on mixer via ryanjesperson.com standing over my smoker getting ribs ready for the family i mean is there any higher praise than somebody that's standing over the smoker getting the ribs ready tuning into the show i don't think so that, that's that, just mean for him to point that out well, to us I was, <laughs> I was wondering i was wondering sam if maybe he meant that that maybe there would be some sort of a, a foil wrapped package that might be arriving at the studio with with braised short ribs Ooh. or something i don't know something along those lines maybe and then i didn't even tell you this mm. uh, this guy said ryan you don't have to recognize me for this on the air but but i'm going to i reserve the right if you send me an email i reserve the right to use your name and read it here on real talk uh you don't know this but a guy by the name of glenn walker reached out and he said it's not my preference it's not his personal preference to to uh to support the show by way of of patreon which is perfectly fine he said but i'd like to make a one-time donation he said what's one thing that that you're looking to add to the show and I said, well, we're eyeing up some pretty sexy studio lighting right now. I said, that's going to be the next purchase as we continue to expand and, and improve on the quality of what we're bringing you every single day. And so Glenn Walker transferred us an email, uh, the subject line, friend of the pod, and he donated $100 to the purchase of new studio lights here in the Real Talk studio. I mean, this has just been an incredible outpouring of support in the first few days. And, and Sam and I, I know, are both very grateful for it. Absolutely. 
Yeah, so you get to go sh- light shopping in the next couple I get of to days. go light shopping. Uh, I, I that's oh, pretty, that's, that'll be fun. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. I uh, want to recognize as, as well, you know, uh, we certainly wouldn't be able to do all this without the computing power that keeps Real Talk going. And we're grateful for Daryl and the team at Westworld Computers. It's, it's a household name, Westworld Computers is, across Western Canada. And if you're looking for the latest Apple offering, uh, like the big iMac, the big sexy iMac that Sam's got on his desk or or this beautiful 12.9-inch iPad that I've got here. I'm loving this thing to monitor our Real Talk RJ hashtag. Daryl and the team at Westworld are all about customer service and connection from the sale all the way through to maybe the next time you want to upgrade. They've been in business, family business, for more than 40 years in Calgary and Edmonton. Heck, I bought the original iMac, you know those orange ones? I got my orange one at Westworld in Vancouver like literally 20 years ago, so I'm thrilled to have them on board for this. When our we thanks to the team at when Westworld. When we stopped in at Westworld to pick up our gear, uh, I had like personal flashbacks because I remember being a kid and my mom getting her her big like floppy disk drive on the front gray old Mac school. Pro. Old yeah, school. There. Yeah. I sort of I it, it was it was fascinating to watch you Sam in a store like Westworld. Like yeah. like a tech guy like you walking around Westworld, and I was like, I, I got the sense that you could spend seventy five thousand dollars in there in about ten minutes. I was in a bit of a candy shop. <laughs> you were in a bit I, of, I was in a bit of a candy a shop. I'll say that. Shop. Yeah. Hey, you know, there's there's all this talk about uh, a premier's announcement yesterday, and and a lot of people chiming in on on the real talk hashtag, and and um, you know, it might be time for some levity. And I think you know exactly the clip that I'm going to get to here. Uh, uh, you know the video I'm asking you to to, to load up this one out of New Brunswick. Uh, this. This was amazing, and and if you haven't seen this, you need to see this. Now it's serious. It's 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 a it's a public health directive that's being announced. It's a it's a public uh, it, it's an official. I mean, this is this is a media. Well, it, I, I'm going to stop introducing it, and I and I just want to roll the video. So here's the deal. So reporters, let me provide the context very quickly, and you're going to want to turn this up. Turn it up as loud. If you have a subwoofer right now and you can turn the bass up, if you if you can really create sort of that audio experience, if you can set the table for full audio exhilaration, uh, now's the time to turn it up. Reporters are, are all on a Zoom call, uh, as happens. This happened in Alberta yesterday. It also happened in New Brunswick. And that means that, you know, obviously they're able to mute themselves or not. And when they're called upon, when they're tapped on the shoulder, they can ask a question of the public health professionals. Well, one of the reporters, uh, intentionally or otherwise, I'll leave that to you to decide, left their phone unmuted as they, let's say, stepped away from the news conference for just a moment. Let's roll it. Dr. Tom Bateman, Times and Transcript. Oh, hi there. I'm worried that I'm here. Hang on one sec, folks. That is not me. Everybody, please mute your microphones. Can we, uh, Sam, is is there any way that, as they would say in the olden and golden days of television, could we re-rack that um, for, for our own pure pleasure? Would we be able to play that just one more time? Because it, it's too good to be played just once. And I know if, if you didn't if you didn't have your subwoofers turned all the way up, if you're still wondering what I'm talking, if you didn't catch the background audio, can we roll it one more time, Sam? Thank you, Ms. Cunningham. Thank you, Dr. Tom Bateman. Times and transcript. Oh, hi there. I'm worried that I'm here. Hang on one sec, folks. That is not me. Okay. So 
anyway, my favorite part about it, um, other other than the the uh, the one reporter that's clearly going with the flow, if you will, is that Tom Bateman, the reporter that had the mic that was holding the conch, felt the need to specify, and I don't blame Tom, felt the need to specify that that's not me, by the way, he says, as as it because because if it was him, that would be. Can we both agree if we're if we visualize what that situation would look like, Sam? That would be a pretty gutsy way to ask a question to a healthcare professional. It's um, the original Naked Gun movie. There is a scene where Leslie Nielsen goes into the washroom wearing a lav, and that's all I can think of <laughs> when I see it, when I see that clip. That's amazing. That was out of New Brunswick. Uh, Jessica is watching the show this morning. Jessica, thanks for tuning in. And she says, it warms the cockles of my heart to see people of all political stripes supporting independent media like this. She says, this is amazing. Uh, Jessica, I agree. Uh, to have Katie Ingram and Mo Blayways on the same program, both restaurateurs, both uh, experts, if you will, in, in their own hospitality offerings, but with completely different per political perspectives, back-to-back -back on talk, that's exactly what's supposed to happen. To have Drew Barnes joining us, a, a conservative MLA out of the southern part of the province, and we'll be talking to politicians of all different parties, of all different political stripes. That's important to us. To have Leisha Corbella, who's, who I think, you know, obviously viewed as more of a conservative-leaning columnist, and, and we're going to have full-blown lefties on the show, too. Some of you are going to love the guests. Some of you are going to hate the guests, and you're still going to watch every single morning. I've never really quite figured that one out, but I think it boils down to people like to be challenged. We need to be challenged. We need to have our, our perspectives, I think, put up for public consumption. We need to chew on these things and have real conversations with one another, and we commit to continue doing that. As we say goodbye to you this morning, I want to say one thank you, and we'll wrap uh, with this thank you to the team at Clean Air Club. You know, you can tell that I'm talking to you this morning through a plexiglass barrier. Sam and I have distance between us, plexiglass between us, and, and I should note, I should let you know officially, you may have assumed this, but just let me tell you that we have had some in-studio interviews scheduled for the next few days a couple of them we were really excited about. Real Talk is now transitioning uh, to a full Zoom platform interview status for at least the next few weeks. We're easily able to accomplish that because it's important to us, not only that we do what we can to help stop the spread, but also that we set a good example. And a big part of that has been evaluating the air quality here in our studio. So we reached out to Clean Air Club. One of the things they did was recommend an air purification unit. And we have that humming here. It, it's, it's actually nice and quiet. You can't even tell that it's running. But another big thing that they want you to think about is your furnace filters. If you check out cleanairclub.ca, they're taking all the worry out of this for you. When's the last time you changed your furnace filter? I mean, a couple of you know it's the, you know, you're the same folks we all admire, uh, we envy you, and, and, and we hate you a tiny little bit. I'm just kidding. But what we do, because you get your oil changed right at the 5,000-kilometer mark, you change your furnace filter every three months like you're supposed to, and the rest of us just can't relate because our life gets out of control and we're chaotic and we forget. Clean Air Club is monitoring that for you. And so, you know, we're not good at remembering when it's time for a change, but they keep track. So you can choose your filter, your size, your delivery frequency. Just check out cleanairclub.ca and they've got you covered there. What a show. We're almost at 1030, Sam. I mean, we it, almost did two hours today. Yeah. I think we could do two hours every single morning. We, we could. Yeah. We've got a, We've got a couple we got, sponsorship. We got going, yeah. We've got some sponsorship inquiries to take a look at. And if we find a good fit there. 
Uh, and you can, by the way, reach out to us at info at ryanjesterson.com. Maybe we'll make the show longer every single day. Thanks for watching Real Talk.